Many microbicides and certain vaccines have failed in their efforts to protect against HIV. But a new topical microbicide made from an ingredient found in some cosmetics and foods is showing potential. Will this virus-blocking vaginal gel prove to be the next big breakthrough in HIV research? You are listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Lee Friedman, and joining us to discuss microbicides, the possible next breakthrough in HIV research, is Dr. Patrick Schlievert, Professor of Microbiology and Immunology at the University of Minnesota Medical School in Minneapolis. Dr. Schlievert, thank you for being with us. Well, thank you for the invitation. Look forward to it. I'm an internist, and and for a while I was looking forward to and hearing a lot about vaccines for HIV. Has that kind of gone by the wayside? Well, I think there are people still trying to develop vaccines, but the vaccine studies that have been done so far have failed. And I think part of it is because of the complexity of the virus and how it takes, basically, if one virus particle gets in the human and finds a susceptible T-cell, the, the vaccine can't work because at that point, the virus has now already got access to the cells where it lives, and it can go from cell to cell without ever the immune system being able to handle it. I mean, I think that uh, vaccination is going to be very, very difficult for that reason. It takes a little virus, basically, to, to cause the infection. And so some attention is turned toward topical microbicides. Are, are these similar to topical antibiotics, or tell us what these are? There's actually two kinds of topical microbicides that are being developed. One of them, the one that I work on, is one that has a more general effect, so it doesn't have like a very specific antibiotic effect. And then some are are very specific for antiretrovirals. We haven't worked on the antiretroviral ones because there's always the potential then for the virus to mutate and become resistant to it. Whereas this general category that I work on there are a lot of mechanism of actions or a lot of targets, if you will. So it's, it's very difficult for the virus ever to become resistant to it. Interesting. And, and what is the mechanism or what are some of the mechanisms where this might help prevent infection? Well, in our studies, we now have what we, we call a paradigm shift. So most microbicides and, and antibiotics, if you will, target the microbe. And that's a very good thing to do. So if you can kill the microbe, then you can prevent infection. But we have what we call, and this compound that we work with is called glycerol monolaurate, we call it a dual-targeted anti-infective. So it does have virucidal and antibacterial activities, but at the same time, and probably much more importantly, is it stabilizes the mucosal surface. So the vaginal mucosa, whether it be ectocervix or endocervix, is stabilized. And once you stabilize that, then you can't the virus can't get in, but it also can't trigger T cells to come into the area. And it, because if T cells come in, then, they, then they're the ones get infected by the virus. And so we stabilize that barrier to prevent both the T cells from coming in and also the virus from getting in. Very interesting. So it's a protective barrier. The virus will not penetrate, but also is anti-chemotactic. I don't know if that's the correct phrase to use, but it, the T cells do not accumulate in that area. In fact, that what you just said is the dominant mechanism. So, for example, so our studies have been done in monkeys, and what we've done is applied the glycerol monolaurate in a gel. We actually put it in KY warming because that's already approved for human use vaginally. And so we put the, the GML in that. We apply it vaginally to monkeys. And then after an hour, we measure how much of the GML is in, in the vaginal secretions, and it's below limits of detection. So at that point, though, we do the challenge 
with the SIV, which is the simian immunodeficiency virus. So it's the monkey version of HIV, and the animals are still protected. So it's actually not really the virucidal activity, but it's actually the prevention of that inflammatory process that prevents, and that's what we showed in the monkeys, is that they then don't come in and they don't provide the fuel, if you will, that allow the virus to infect and to cause AIDS in, in, in the monkeys. So its major effect appears to be this anti-inflammation effect or membrane stabilization effect, as I call it. That is fascinating. And this particular substance, the glycerol monolaurate or GML, it's safe. It's used in other products. Is that right? Yes. It's found, in, it's found naturally in breast milk. It's also in cosmetics and it's found in, in foods as well. And so it's approved for topical use up to uh, 100 milligrams per mil. You know, and so it's generally recognized as safe by the Food and Drug Administration. And then what we've done also is long-term, if you call six-month long-term. So what we did is exposed monkeys to 50 milligrams per mil in KY warming twice a day for three months and then once a day for six months in anticipation that women would be using this either once or twice a day. And there was no inflammatory no negative effects by either colposcopy or biopsy. And then it also did not affect the normal flora vaginal lactobacilli, which are, you know, what you wouldn't want to negatively affect. And so there was no effect on those. And so with that, then, we think that we have established the long-term safety of the compound. And then also, as I said, and as you said, it is already a generally recognized as safe compound. Very interesting. And, and it, I would guess then there are no demonstrable systemic side effects from absorption. That is correct. It's, it's a topical effect, and we know it's not absorbed into the circulation, but it does affect the mucosal barrier and stabilizes it. And it is important to note that this same stabilizing effect would happen with the other microorganisms also. So the significance of that stabilizing property can be demonstrated most easily by the you know, so there's a spermicide, nanoxanol 9. That spermicide does cause vaginal inflammation. And it's been shown and published that the inflammation associated with that spermicide increases HIV transmission. So there are a number of other vaginal inflammatory processes, whether it be Neisseria gonorrhea infection or chlamydia, bacterial vaginosis or candidiasis. All of those cause vaginal inflammation and all of those actually increase HIV transmission. And so what we would be providing is a basically an anti-inflammatory effect so that we would stabilize the surface and keep the surface intact, but also then not draw in the immune cells that are going to be infected by the virus. It sounds like it would prevent transmission of HIV when there is a concomitant uh, other inflammation or infection in the vagina. Is there any particular effect in preventing these other sexually transmitted illnesses? Yes. So we've tested almost every cause of sexually transmitted infections in vitro. And so we know that uh, we can prevent chlamydia uptake by epithelial cells. We know that we can kill Neisseria gonorrhea. We can kill Gardnerella vaginalis. We kill Candida albicans, Trichomonas vaginalis, group B strep. So almost any organism that you test can be killed. But then also, you know, we've done some in vivo studies also, limited studies or pilot studies, if you will, 
in women to show that we have, for some of these, not for all of them, but for some of them, that we have similar kinds of activities. And so what we would actually like to do is a global study. And I think the interesting thing here is we're not just talking about prevention of disease, but we're also, for many of those sexually transmitted infections, we're talking about treatment at the same time. So like for gonorrhea, we also kill the organism as well as prevent the inflammatory process. And so that would be presumably true for a lot of other organisms like, you know, the, the causes of bacterial vaginosis, candidiasis. These We already know that we can have both an antimicrobial effect and a preventative e- effect. So we can basically hit both sides of it at the same time. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Lee Friedman, and Dr. Patrick Schlievert, professor of microbiology and immunology at the University of Minnesota Medical School, is discussing with us microbicides, a possible breakthrough in the treatment of HIV and prevention of HIV and other sexually transmitted illnesses. Dr. Schlievert, certainly a great number of people infected with HIV and other sexually transmitted organisms are men, can this work on other mucosal surfaces? If you think about the endocervix, that is also a single layer of columnar epithelium, and that's where we think the primary effect is preventing the SIV and then theoretically the HIV transmission. And so the intestinal mucosa is also a single cell layer thick, and so we also think we would be able to have the same effect there. We haven't done those studies yet, but we know that we stabilize epithelial barriers. And so we've actually considered that, and we hope to be able to do such studies also. And when this does come to market, is this something that you envision would need to be applied twice a day, or how practical would it be? What would the cost be? I mean, our primary thought is that this would be used by women, because at the present time, I think 50%, for example, in Africa of HIV cases are, are in women. And this would give women more control over, you know, basically HIV transmission, and they don't, they don't have a lot of control now, but it would give them more control. They would be able to apply it once or twice a day or, or more often. All of the mechanics of all of that haven't been worked out. We've done some studies in people with twice-a-day administration, and we know that we can manage some kinds of sexually transmitted infections. But for HIV prevention, things like that, we would have to More studies are obviously necessary, but we would envision it once or twice a day, and then we would envision it, it would be used prior to sexual intercourse to prevent the HIV transmission. By the way, so we've actually calculated the cost of a dose is seven-tenths of one cent. So it's really inexpensive. Which is obviously very important when we're talking about a worldwide application and, and in many very poor areas of the world. Yeah, that's exactly right. How about things like toxic shock syndrome? Do you envision that one day tampons will have a coating of this? Is there efficacy and a future there? Yeah, okay. So another very good question. The mechanism of toxic shock syndrome is the same as the mechanism of transmission of HIV. So Staph aureus found vaginally in the presence of tampons makes a toxin we know as toxic shock syndrome toxin. That toxin then has to get across the barrier or attract T-cells to it in the same way that HIV needs the T-cells, the CD4 T-cells. So in the one case, toxic shock syndrome toxin actually stimulates the T-cells, causing a massive cytokine production and the development of toxic shock syndrome. On the other hand, T-cells get infected by HIV, and then AIDS is the result of that. So the mechanism 
basically is the same. And so, yes, in fact, we have a manuscript submitted for publication at the present time where we've shown that we can, in women, we can reduce the amount of toxin made vaginally in the presence of Staph aureus. So that GML does that. And that, so our hope is that down the road and in the future, that tampons could be coated with this. And where is the next step now? You, you obviously have several projects. Tell us about the future of this and when we might expect to see this being available. I mean, I'll answer that in one second, but I need to also add something. And glycerol monolurate is an interesting compound. Some people think of it as a surfactant, but it's not. It's actually a membrane-stabilizing agent. And I think what its real property is, and we have good evidence for this now, is it basically freezes the cell membranes. And so that's its property. It doesn't kill eukaryotic cells, but it slows them down, and it prevents them from making cytokine. But then after 8 to 12 hours, they recycle their membrane, and, and then they go about their business. That's why we would have to give it you know, once or twice a day, because ultimately the cell will process it. Now, with bacteria, the ones that are susceptible, they're actually killed by it, and it's probably a very similar mechanism. It, it's probably freezing them, and because of differences between eukaryotic cells and the prokaryotic bacteria, the bacteria end up being killed. And so with that then, glycerol monolurate, as it's applied to a tampon, most of it is insoluble and it just stays on the tampon. So it could serve as a reservoir for antimicrobial activity for an extended period of time. When we put it in KY warming, we formulate it differently so it remains soluble. But it still then can coat and cover the entire vagina rather than just being in the tampon you know, like you would have in toxic shock syndrome. In other words, we can manipulate the GML however we want to. So with having said that then, the next major thing that we want to do is we want to do a global study to see if we can simultaneously treat and prevent all STIs, but also bacterial vaginosis, candidiasis, and group B strep, now, we wouldn't be able to do that with HIV. There, we wouldn't be talking about treatment. We would be talking about only prevention. So we would like to do such a study. We'd like to do it in you know, at least three different sites so that we don't just do experiments on Africa. It's probably not fair to do that, right? I mean, it makes sense to do studies in other parts of the world at the same time. Excellent. Oh, well, I very much want to thank Dr. Patrick Schliefert from the University of Minnesota Medical School for talking to us about GML, a new microbicide that shows a great deal of promise in preventing the transmission of HIV and many other illnesses. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable from ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on air. Please also visit us at ReachMD.com. And thank you for listening.